Welcome back to Inclusive and Online with Kate and Dan. I'm Kate. And I'm Dan. Today, we're going to talk about digital accessibility. Tell us, Dan, what is digital accessibility? Okay, I'm so glad you asked. What usually comes to mind is ADA compliance or the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. That's part of it. You also have to consider the Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act and the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, or WCAG. Each of those components plays a role in the whole digital accessibility realm. Now, we're not going to go into depth on each of those items. The key thing I want us to focus on is digital content in the learning environment. All right, here's a follow-up question. Why is it important to talk about digital accessibility? Well, I think it's important because we often view all learning through our own experiences, and it can be difficult to understand how differently somebody else learns and what they need to be successful if we've never heard their story or learned about how they interact with learning content. When it comes down to it, what works for us when we're learning something isn't going to work for everyone. As educators and higher education professionals, we typically want to share knowledge in a way that will reach students where they are at and remove as many barriers to learning as possible. Kate, can you tell our listeners a bit about what's been going on at OU for digital accessibility? Here at OU, we've been working on educating folks on how to get started with making their online courses digitally accessible by providing resources on how to get started, tech tools that break it down into small, easy-to-manage steps, and even workshops to help you familiarize yourself with the basics of digital accessibility. That's right. So it started as a combined effort between our e-learning office and the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning, or SETTLE. Christina Moore over at SETTLE and Nick Bongers and I from e-learning put in a lot of time researching the subject, and a lot of it aligned with the universal design for learning information that SETTLE had previously provided. And that partnership led to multiple presentations around campus, at conferences, and an on-demand e-space for digital accessibility basics. A couple of years later, we got the approval to purchase a new tool for Moodle to help faculty start creating accessible courses immediately. We're going to be discussing a tech tool today that you might not yet know, but will soon learn to love, Blackboard Ally. Blackboard Ally is a very powerful tool, and every Moodle course has access to it. One of the things we love about Ally is that it breaks things down into small, easily manageable suggestions. If you're not familiar with digital accessibility principles, Ally is a great tool to get you started. For example, Ally will automatically provide accessible versions of previously inaccessible documents, such as PDF files. You'll notice the little black A icon to the right of your content in Moodle, and that's Ally at work. In addition, Ally will display a red, orange, or green meter icon that will alert the instructor for a course to how accessible their images and documents are. Red indicates that the content you've posted needs work to be made accessible. Orange means you're getting there, but Ally still has suggestions for you. And green means that Ally has determined that your content is accessible. Click that icon to see Ally's specific suggestions for improving the accessibility of that content. You can even access an overall accessibility report for the course by going to the gear icon and then selecting more. You'll find the link to the report under the reports tab. Okay, one feature I like about Ally is that it helps faculty build accessible courses so students who may prefer 
an alternative content format already have access to it. They don't have to ask for it. And it tells you why something is inaccessible and provides instructions on how to fix it. I agree. And it's important to note that digitally accessible content is not only helpful for students who require that particular accommodation, but can make your learning content more accessible for all the students in your course. Think of when you're in an airport or a doctor's office. They often have closed captions on the TV. Now, I don't need that accommodation, but it is very helpful in that specific environment. And like we used to say in our digital accessibility workshops, it is essential for some and beneficial for all. Today's guest is Ray Holston-Turner. Ray just graduated from Oakland University with her English degree. Congratulations and thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We're really glad to have you on today and excited to hear about your experiences. Can you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Raven. I often go by the name Ray. Um, I just moved to Ypsilanti. I currently work at Pfizer as a chemist, so that's pretty cool. Um, I did just graduate with an English degree, so it's totally different from what I, I guess what a lot of people thought I was supposed to be doing with it, but it's it's super fun to explore those different outlets and see where an English degree takes you, because not a lot of people know. I agree. I've had friends with English degrees who work in higher education and some who are off doing natural science. So it's it's yeah. good to hear that there are a, a variety of things that you can do uh, with an English degree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've always heard that uh, there's a difference between how accommodations are handled from high school to college. And for example, I've heard that many accommodations are offered to students in high school without having to ask. And in college, students have to seek them out for themselves. Is that true for you? And if so, you know, tell me how that's impacted your college experience. Yeah, so um, I actually am like what they call like a late deaf. So I didn't go deaf until like late high school, early college and everything. Um, for high school, it was way harder, in my opinion, because like, I mean, there was there was no accommodation. It was kind of like a you fin for yourself, good luck kind of thing. Um, there was no such thing as interpreters. There was no um, closed captioning on a lot of things. It was just a lot of in-person. A lot of teachers didn't understand how late deafness works so they thought that it didn't exist so I mean I was just treated a lot differently and especially going to an international school where a lot of people didn't speak English to begin with it was much harder um, when I did get to college it was also hard too especially considering the fact that I was dealing with not only discrimination from being like deaf but also discrimination from being black too so it was like getting accommodation was not necessarily the easiest thing in the world and it still isn't you know a lot of people like I said a lot of people try to prove that you're not deaf just because you can talk or you're not deaf because like oh you don't look deaf or something so yeah, it's definitely difficult both ways, at least in my experience. For others, it may be different, but for me, it was kind of hard both ways. Yeah, that's interesting um, that you kind of had a different experience with that. And I'm sure it depends, you know, vastly on what institution you're attending as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I do think it's important as well that you just kind of brought out the uh, intersectionality between race and disability and how that's impacted you as well, because I know that that can really impact the differences. And I think it's important on this podcast for us to be mindful of those intersections as well. So I appreciate you bringing up that point. 
Yeah, no problem. It's definitely something that a lot of people don't realize exists. Like I said, especially because of the fact there's so many stereotypes on both ends. It's like, oh, you must not be deaf because you talk or, oh, you're black. So you do this. So, like it's so many different stereotypes. And when you have kind of both, you fit in both categories. It's so much more difficult to an extent. Yeah, it's not impossible, but it is difficult at times, though. I love that we we came into this wanting to talk about digital accessibility and accommodations. And you know, we bring up the point of intersectionality as well. So I, I'm really glad that that's come up here as well, because it is important to be mindful of that and that, you know, we wear so many different hats, you know, depending on, on that situation. And this situation is no different. Um, when we're looking at the last couple of years, so much has changed over the last couple of years. A lot of that is pandemic inspired, obviously. Yeah. Something that's changed is you know, the increased use of technology for teaching and learning. So yeah. tell us about your experience as a student in the online learning environment and what worked for you and you know what issues are still there. Oh, it's definitely been such an issue. I would say mostly because of the fact that, like I said, there's that huge thing about stereotypes where not a lot of people understand how deafness or other disabilities work. So they figure, why do you need this? So like, this is not really going to help you get a good grade. Or if you have captions or a sign interpreter, it's not going to help you with your studies. And it's like, yeah, it kind of does, you know? So um, it's definitely been a lot harder, but I would say it has been better than in person, in my opinion, because a lot of people wear masks still. So it's like, I can't really, lip read or if I'm like far away it's kind of oh it's so difficult (laughs) so yeah I would say the things that have worked for me I've tried a lot of things I've tried the headphone system that hasn't really worked I've tried sign interpreters and that's been by far the best thing in my opinion because it's like every sign interpreter has a different personality and a lot of them understand a lot of the issues and the struggles that we go through especially with online learning being so new so um in my opinion, has just been the best and they, they've understood everything. So they've understood a lot of my frustrations, which is the biggest thing of it all. I was like, oh my God, when is online learning going to end? Will it go back to normal? You know, because I mean, a lot of times it makes me feel like I'm so distanced away. I feel like, man, I can't even understand a lot of stuff, you know, and then professors, they speak so fast and they don't understand like, hey, I have somebody interpreting my every word. I can't just like talk super fast. So it, it, it makes you feel really distanced a lot of the time. It makes you feel like you can't understand a lot of things. It, in, in a sense, I like to compare it to feeling like you're a for, like a tourist in a foreign country. You can't understand the language for real. So, but yeah, it, definitely having that availability there and finding those things that work for you, that's the biggest suggestion from me to anybody. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to you know, being in a foreign land. This is not my language. This is not my culture. Yeah. And it, it's it's stressful. And that's not really you know, the most conducive way to learn or feel comfortable in your your own learning environment. Especially when you're in a difficult class or like um, some like you're going over difficult material. The last thing you want to worry about is being able to understand it in terms of being able to hear it or being able to have an interpreter that's like, OK, I can keep up with this person. So if the interpreter is having issues, understanding the professor you won't understand either. So there's a huge divide. But like I said, that's why education on this stuff is so important. And I'm glad that it's being, you know, broadcasted like this. It's, it's crucial. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. So you mentioned a little bit about like tech tools, headphone sets, um, but what tech tools have you used in class, either online or in person that you've had positive or negative experiences with and why? 
Yeah, so one of the systems, I don't remember the exact name for it. I think it was like an FM system where you have the headphones at your desk and then the professor has this microphone like planted near them and they're just talking into it. But there are so many issues with that in terms of like a lot of professors don't understand like, hey, you know, there's a spectrum when it comes to deafness. So like some are mildly deaf, some are moderate, and then some just can't hear flat out. And I'm in between the like moderate to severe level. So headphones really don't help me. <laughs> so I mean, and they were like, does this work? Does, is this helpful? And I'm like, Mm-mm, no, not at all. <laughs> so that's definitely been um, something like I said, I've tried closed captioning where like uh, they have a live captioner and to an extent that helps. But um, having some type of education or having some type of tutorial beforehand is really helpful because I personally didn't know how to use it. I'm just looking. I'm like, where is the I thought they were going to type. And everybody's like, yeah, do you, do you did you get it? I'm typing currently. And I'm like, I don't see anything. So if you don't have the education behind it, you won't understand how to use it. So it's pretty much going to be like a useless tool in a sense. So, but yeah, it's definitely finding out what works for you too, because those things didn't necessarily help me in the best way that everyone else thought it could have. But when I got a sign interpreter, I took off. So it was, it was definitely helpful. What are some strategies that you've used or that you've learned about on how you learn that have helped you be successful in the classroom? Um, definitely not putting so much pressure on myself was the biggest thing, because like I said, going deaf like happened so much later compared to other people and everything. So not putting so much pressure if I can't understand anything. That's that's one thing. Um, not letting people's interpretation of what they think a deaf person looks or sounds like that is still something I'm working on because, I mean, that plays such a big role in your learning. Like if everybody's assuming that you can't talk or everybody's assuming like, oh, I'm not going to talk to them. I don't want to work in a group with them because they they can't hear. It's so much harder, you know? So having those stereotypes already on your back, that that affects you so deeply. But if you learn to not necessarily not pay attention to them, but if you learn to like let it affect you less and less, that's going to play a big deal into how you interact with the rest of the class or how you go for the rest of the semester. Because for me, last semester, personally, when a lot of people didn't want to be in groups with me. A lot of people didn't really want to talk to me. A lot of people didn't talk to me because they, they figured like, oh, she's deaf. She can't talk or, oh, she's deaf. It's going to be harder. I have to get an interpreter to talk to her. No. So, I mean, it, it sucked, honestly, because I'm like, man, I, I talk like I, I like talking to other people. But I mean, if that's your only basis, it's like we can't really get along during the class, you know, so. Yeah, <laughs> but having those strategies and understanding like everybody's going to be different. Not everybody's going to have the same interpretation that everybody's going to be mean to you and everything it can it can make and break your your whole entire class experience (laughs) yeah but still having that kind of sense of isolation and that feeling that your classmates don't know how to communicate with you and, and aren't making that effort is is very frustrating it is. I mean, I remember one instance when I was in the convenience store on campus and um, the lady, she thought I had laryngitis because it's like a lot of times, you know, I just don't like talking. Like sometimes I'll just like I won't talk at all. I'll just like get my things and go because a lot of times people love to ask questions and it goes over the the borderline of what's OK to ask and what's clearly not OK to ask. So sometimes I'm just like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to get it and go. And she's like, do you have laryngitis? And I was like, oh, no, I'm deaf. And she's like, oh, is that is that like muteness? And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. So like I said, education is a huge, huge fundamental part of this. So 
yeah but i mean sometimes it just makes you wonder like man like is it always going to be like this am i always going to be treated this way and i mean like i say the stereotypes are just one of the biggest things that like stop a lot of people from learning because like if they've been believing this thing for so long they're like i'm not going to change my mindset just for this one person you know that's how a lot of people i've noticed look at it so yeah, and it's no different in the learning environment either, where we've done some things to try and help educate that, uh, educate our faculty and staff and other students, you know, the importance of just having accessible content and accessible experiences. Yeah. So we use Moodle here. We've talked a lot about, you know, things where captioning is available. Um, have you had any frustrations or any, you know, with any of the digital learning materials or online learning or, or Moodle in general, and just share some of your experience with what the online classroom looks like compared to say the in-person classroom. To be perfectly honest with you, I prefer online learning to a certain extent. So Moodle hasn't been an issue. I've been kind of like, it's been kind of easy to like work my way around that. Um, it's just when it comes to Zoom, like um, a lot of times I'll request captioning or like live captioning and a lot of professors either won't see it or they won't accept it. So that was like the biggest thing because I guess a lot of them think like, oh, what is she requesting live captioning for? And it's like, I just go like the whole hour, like 45 minutes just sitting there looking at the screen like I don't understand the thing going on, you know, so I'm just going to sit here and take attendance. Um, another example I would definitely say has been just lack of like I guess lack of want, so to say, like when I, like I said, when I have interpreters, a lot of them say some professors just talk so fast to the point where like even the most seasoned, most experienced interpreters cannot keep up with them. So they're just like, oh my God, like they're going way too fast. And they'll text me like, I'm so sorry. They said this though, but I just can't keep up with them. So it's like letting the professor know constantly like, hey, can you talk just a little bit slower so I can either like lip read or like the, the interpreter can keep up with you. And they're like, oh yeah, I got you. And then they continue talking just as fast, if not faster. And it's like, that's just like one of the frustrating things. So like when I do have classes that are like totally online, I don't have to follow like a Zoom schedule or anything I'm just like okay I could do this I feel more confident and everything um but I do remember like when I got back in person I was kind of like nervous I was like oh no like I'm not ready for this like I'm very scared <laughs> well that's a, a stress and anxiety not all students have to face so it's important you know, to hear your story so that other people understand you know what some of our students are going through in addition to just you know the learning content and you know, the social things that are happening, you know, for our college age students as well. So there's a lot going on. And this is just on top of that. Yeah. And I tell people a lot of times, like when you find a subject or a major that you have interest in, or you genuinely see like, okay, this is something I could be doing. It doesn't seem like work anymore. It seems like, okay, I'm learning something new. I'm doing something different. This is cool. But then when you get to that, like you said, when you get to that other side, where it's terms of accessibility and it's some majors are less accessible than others or that's how they make themselves out to be it's so much more intimidating you're just like oh I got to deal with students that don't want to talk to me or don't know how to talk to me the professors don't know how to talk to me so it's like I mean it's just like a whole nother level so it's just it takes like I said it takes something to get used to but it would also help if other people are willing to like put in as much as you're willing to put in too that's a great point <laughs> Yeah, and that's part of what we hope to do with this podcast is, is have some of those conversations in a way that like can reach instructors and give them some ideas on just how to get started with accessible content. Because I know for some, it's it's a little bit overwhelming to get started. Yeah. Um, 
but if we can give them some kind of practical steps and make it a little bit less intimidating, you know, we believe that it'll be much more of a, a process that instructors can get behind with creating accessible digital content. Yeah, definitely. So in your, in your opinion and your experiences, what can people start doing now to help make learning more accessible or welcoming for students who may need an accommodation? Definitely have patience. That's one of the biggest things. A lot of, I've seen a lot of professors where it's like, they'll be so passionate about it, but they won't know what direction to start in. And so they kind of get burnt out really early on it. They'll be like, oh, I can do this. Oh no, I can do that. And then they, they just get burnt out and they don't do anything at all. So my biggest thing is just have patience with it. It's something new. A lot of people don't understand how it works or even know about it at all. So if you could just take time and ask that person what they want, like, what do you do that's best in terms of helping you learn what do you do outside of here how do you get accessibility outside of here or if you do it all and just taking those tips and trying to implement them in your classroom whether it's online or in person that's one of the biggest things because accessibility although it's a really common word or really common practice in many places it's not universal it's still not universal unfortunately so just taking your time i mean like that that can really go such a long way so Patience is number one. <laughs> so we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today. Um, so for our kind of final question, we'd like to just kind of open the floor. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on digital accessibility that you'd like to share before we wrap up our interview? Yeah, um, digital accessibility has done a lot of good. It's done a lot. Of, it's been really helpful, especially in COVID when we're wearing masks outside. So being able to see people without their mask online, it makes you feel like it's kind of normal again. And so hopefully we can get back to that point and take accessibility with us outside of online learning and bring it in person as well. That once that happens, I'll be so excited, even if it's just a little bit, that that'll go such a long way. <laughs> awesome. We'd like to thank Ray for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We value your feedback and your ratings, and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inclusive Online Pod. And if you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or request to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com. And don't forget to take a look at all of our resources for today's episode linked in the show notes. Please note that we are not endorsing or sponsoring any of the products and tools that we discussed in our show today. We are simply sharing our experiences with using these tools, and we do not receive any compensation for mentioning these products. We'll be back next month with our next episode. And until then, we hope you feel included.